Welcome to the Be Daring Live podcast, where we teach life and leadership skills to teens and their parents. I'm your host, Hudson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Keith. And later this week, we're going to have some big news to announce. The topic of today's podcast is tips on buying your first car. Thanks, Hudson. Uh, so, yep, this week we're going to be talking about how to buy your first car. And this is actually a really important topic. So we thought we'd take some time and cover some basics of it, give you some tips. So uh, just recently, actually, uh, we've bought a couple of cars in our family. Our oldest son bought a used car. Uh, and well, both of them were used. But uh, And then I recently bought a truck. So we're going to give you some tips. We're going to walk through how do we do it. Uh, our first step is kind of doing our research. So prior to the widespread use of the internet, when we looked for a car, what did you do? You had to go through the newspaper. You go to different used car lot. Word of mouth. Word of mouth, that kind of thing. These days we can go to a number of different websites and find a lot of information. So some of the ones that we looked at uh, included these. Were cargurus.com, autotrader.com, cars.com, Facebook Marketplace, and Craigslist. And which of those did you find to be the most helpful? Cargurus. Cargurus? Why is that? Because they're just... Did they have better filtering options yeah. maybe? Yeah. I think probably Facebook Marketplace is probably the best way to connect with a non-dealer. Right. People who are selling the car themselves. Um, those other sites certainly are very useful when you're looking for a dealer. So let me ask you a question, Hudson. When you're starting to look for a car, how do you go about that? Do you like try and make a list of maybe the characteristics of the car to narrow it down? Yeah, like if you want a sedan or... A sports car. A right, truck. Right. Well, yeah, there's quite a bit of difference between a, a truck and a... But like, it, take my truck, for example. When I was looking, hopefully you can remember some of this. One of my requirements, well, there was one overall requirement. Right. It had to be a Dodge. Very good. I've trained him well. Um, <laughs> second of all, it had to have a V8. Uh, yes. I, sorry. That's not actually what I was thinking, although basically that's, yeah. Actually, air conditioning? Air conditioning. <laughs> My old truck, the air conditioning never really worked. So for 75,000 miles, I drove without air conditioning, and that's really not fun in Florida in the summer. No, I wanted four-wheel drive, right? Oh. So that was because I had been in situations with my last truck, which was a two-wheel drive, that not having four-wheel drive caused a problem. We got right? stuck a lot. We got stuck. So I said it had to have a V8, that's true, uh, and I decided not to do diesel, um, because of expense and that kind of thing. And then um, it had to have four-wheel drive. So those were the two major characteristics besides being a Dodge. Uh, we also wanted some type of, um, like, a, they call it a mega cab or a crew cab. So It has four doors. Right, four doors. Um, so four doors so that um, when I'm hauling people around instead of things, lumber, whatever. Um, or people and things. They're, they're comfortable, right? 
So we had to have some type of uh, four-door situation. And that actually, other than the mileage, which, you know, I didn't want a crazy amount of miles on it, of course, that, that was the primary driving characteristics. Uh, and the vehicle that I bought achieved all of that. Uh, the, the mileage was actually quite good. So it was around 83000 And uh, the vehicle is actually a 2011. So it's almost nine years old or nine years old. So for that age of vehicle, it was actually quite good for the uh, mileage. And it was kept in very good shape. Um, I don't expect to have any issues with it for a long, long time. And it's a Dodge. <laughs> he uh, likes ver Dodges very much. <laughs> I won't make any Ford or Chevy or Toyota jokes, I promise. You don't even know any Toyota jokes. I would jokes. not want to offend our readers, listeners, sorry, um, our listeners. I wouldn't want to offend any of our listeners. So... You know, make your list, figure out what's important to you and realize that you may have to compromise on some of that, right? I initially, when I was looking at my truck, I said, I really want a diesel this time. And the reality is I figured out that for money, um, I couldn't really get what I wanted. So I said, do for the next few years, next at least four or five years, do I really need a, di a diesel? Uh, the reality is I probably didn't. So I, I then said, well, a gas, a V8, <clears throat> a Hemi. It's a Dodge. Goes along with the Hemi shirt I got him for Father's Day. <laughs> it's a Dodge motor. Um, anyways, that was acceptable. And that's actually what I ended up with, so. Make your list, determine what's important. Is two doors okay? Is four doors okay? You know, do you want a V6? Is a four cylinder good for you for, because four cylinders are great for gas mileage, um, you know, that kind of thing. You know, you've got to make those decisions uh, when you're going through this process. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, um, and Rachel and I did financial planning for, uh, years ago for quite a while and we would hear this quite a bit oh I've got to spend you know even back then ten or fifteen thousand dollars to buy a, a quote a good reliable car meaning one that you know they weren't going to be broken down on the side of the road with and the reality is um that's not true. You can spend $4,000 and get a good car. Right. And, and you're right. You can spend, even if you really look, you can spend three to $4,000 and get a, a good, reliable car um, that will get you around. It's not going to break down. It's not going to have 200,000 miles on the engine when you buy it. Uh, it's not even, you know, it's not going to be all beat up. And it will last you for three, four, five years. And what that lets you do is not be on the hook for a car payment, right? So when you're spending three, four, five hundred dollars a month for your car payment, that money's coming out of your budget. You have to pay them or they, what, repossessed your car, which is always bad, um, right? So... <laughs> Uh, you're, you're, you're having to pay that, but you're also, of course, you're having to pay gas, which you have to pay regardless, but you're almost assuredly going to be paying more for insurance as well. 
if my vehicle is only worth $4,000, the insurance is not going to be nearly as much as if it were worth $40,000, right? Um, so that's an additional expense that's coming out of your budget each month. If I can save that money, what can I do with it? I can set it aside for my next vehicle, right? So that um, I go into this first vehicle and I spend four grand, but then for the next three, four, five years, I'm setting aside uh, money every month for that vehicle. And then at the end of the time, I, I guarantee you, you're gonna, if you maintain that vehicle, you're going to be able to sell it for $1,500 or $2,000, Right. Maybe more. We just sold it. In fact, when we bought, when my son bought his car, um, we sold a, a, a minivan. And that minivan had almost 200,000 miles, 200, miles on it. And I sold it for 1600 I want to say. 15 because it went, went down $100. We actually did go down. So I, I listed it at 16 we went down $100, right? And within a day, I was like, I'm ready to sell it. I put it up and it sold. I probably actually undersold it. So even though you may only spend three, $4,000 for that first vehicle, you will get money when you sell it if you keep it maintained. And this vehicle had been maintained. And so then you can take that plus all the money that you've been saving, right? Uh, not spending on that car payment, not spending on that much higher insurance. And then if you so choose, you can spend, say, ten grand for that next vehicle. And for $10,000, there's a lot of vehicles out there that, that, you know, they're nice vehicles. So um, anyways, I just wanted to discuss that for a minute. One of the things that you need to be concerned about is the actual, you know, the real value of your car. Even if you're not getting a loan for the car and you're paying cash for it, you still need to know how much the car is worth if you if you had to sell it. So one of the best ways to determine that value is through a service like Kelly Blue Book, which is uh, you know they they give you what's called the Blue Book value of of all these different cars across all these different years and based on location. So. In our area, in our zip code, it's a little bit different than it would be, say, in a major metropolitan area in the um, in the immediate area. And then it would be different from even in a bigger city around here than, say, a bigger city, maybe Atlanta, right? They probably would be more expensive in Atlanta. I don't know that, but I'm just saying as an example. It does va uh, vary from area to area. So we plug in our our zip code, and uh, and we use that to determine the value. Now, in addition to your location, Hudson, what are some of the things that you're going to plug in? You would put in, like, the trim level of your car, um, the mileage. Right. Some of the features. Okay. So things like the maybe the engine size varies across different models uh, or uh, – not models, but different trim levels. Um, things like if you've got power windows, if you've got a sunroof. So it does depend on on what you have on your car and the the level of uh, like if it has say rips in the seat or dents. 
or dense or uh, the paint is faded or something like that. And all that gets factored in and then it gives you what's called that, that you know, Kelly Blue Book value, KBB value. And you can look that up at kbb.com. And then uh, when you go into that website and start plugging in your information, it's going to be based on whether you're buying it from a, a private party, from an individual, or, you know, you're, I don't know, somebody, somebody locally, or from a dealership. And those two values, those, those two numbers will be different. Uh, the dealership will be higher. So you can determine based on that how much your, your vehicle is worth. And you should always check that because you just don't know. You just don't know when you're buying a car if you, it may seem like it's the right price to you, but in actuality it may be they may be asking too much. And you could even use that as a leverage to go to them and say, Hey, uh, you're asking eleven thousand dollars for this vehicle, but really it's only worth ninety five hundred. Okay, uh, so I, I can't give you more than ninety five hundred. How can you pay cash for that car? Well, sorry guys, you're just gonna you're gonna have to buckle down, right? If you're in high school right now, I'm gonna tell you, and I will flat out look you in the face and tell you that if you're a sophomore in high school, by the time you graduate from high school you can save three or $4,000 and buy that first car. You can, you may choose not to, but you know, you can get a, you can get work during the summer. Maybe you can work part-time during the school year. That's up to, you know, certainly up to between you and your parents, but uh, you can do enough work to make that happen. Okay. You're not going to be able to be crazy with your money and go out and buy all kinds of, if you blow all your money, you won't be saving it, obviously. But you can do that, and plenty of people do that. Hudson over here, almost 13, as he reminds me all the time, is saving for his first vehicle. And I'm not going to ask him at this point to tell everybody what that is, but he is already saving for that vehicle and has quite a bit set aside for it and he's nowhere well he's nowhere near high school uh, you go into eighth grade next year right so he's two years from high school right or one year man i can't do math nope Whew. it's a good thing i got out of college um so if he's doing it at his age you can certainly do it and i know this i know he won't be buying a three or four thousand dollar vehicle but I also know he will not be, you know, getting a loan co-signed or taking out a loan for that first vehicle because he knows better. Right, Hudson? Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, do you get, oh, oh, this is very, very important. So, one of the questions that comes up when you're dealing with buying a used vehicle is, you know, do you get a mechanic to check that vehicle out? So, Hudson, why don't you discuss that for a minute? So, if you're getting it from, like, a dealer, sometimes they'll offer, like, a warranty, like a 30-point inspection or a 128-point inspection. Right. And if that is the case, you don't need to have a mechanic look at it. But if you're buying from, like, Marketplace and you're like, I think this is the car I want. Right. You should go and take it 
to a mechanic to get them look at it unless you have a fair amount of mechanical knowledge right i mean i've got friends that are you know they're very mechanically handy they maybe they've been a mechanic in the past they know they they know lots of stuff about their vehicles i certainly wouldn't want to tell them you, know, you need to go get your your car inspected but for most people they probably need that if it's somebody that they don't know that they're just buying it off facebook marketplace most people are they're okay with that i would hope they would be uh, if not that's probably something you should take into consideration as a reason because that means they could right. be hiding something they're not sure or they're hiding something right uh, so given that i still suggest that when you go look at a vehicle that you there's a number of things that you can do yourself before you get to that step of saying you know, I'll pay you X amount of money, but I'm going to have a mechanic inspect it first. So what would be some of those things, Hudson? Just check, make sure the oil is not low. Right. Make sure it's not dark, because if it's dark, that means it needs to be changed. Right. Check, make sure the belts aren't cracked. Mm-hmm. And what belts, what do you mean? You're talking about like the radiator belt like, yeah, and radiator, the... timing belt. Yeah, there's a couple of, of belts that are under there. So when you get done with the engine compartment, what are some of the things like on the exterior that we could look at? So like if a car has dings, you can use that to leverage the price down. Right. Say like use it as a bargaining tool. Mm-hmm. Or if it's sun faded. Right. Right. So I mean, we live in Florida and our sun down here, maybe we are closer to the sun. It's hot, and and vehicles that are out in our sun during the summer, especially, tend to get faded if they're not like kept in a garage all the time. So you'll like even with my truck, which overall looks quite good, um, the roof is actually sun faded. The sun is the paint is actually fading a little bit, and so a few years from now, that's probably something that I will need. To, I'll probably just paint the truck, you know. Um, because it's in great shape otherwise. Um, so that's certainly something you want to look at. What about, I, I don't know if you remember when we were looking for uh, Ashton's uh, car, we were, I don't remember where we were at. We were at some little used car dealership, and I was looking at this little Nissan, if I remember correctly, and I popped the trunk. She always oh, just Dodge Dart. Oh, Dodge Dart. It was not a Dodge. I'm just kidding. It was a Dodge. He's right. Even Dodge makes bad cars sometimes. Um, but uh, anyways, I popped open the trunk and um, a bunch of water went kind of pouring out. Um, it, and I looked at it. It was only on one side. And I looked at it. It looked like there was a, one of the... the tail light assemblies was right there and it looked like maybe it had a crack in it or something and water had gotten down in there and then it would get down into the trunk area and opening up that trunk lid it just triggered this big cascade of water and at that point I closed it and I said so I'm we're good because we could have had mildew issues mold issues rust issues rust issues I mean just all kinds of things from that so uh, you see something like that, you should probably just, uh, you know, leave. Also check, like, the underside of the vehicle. Make sure it's not rusty. Right. Yeah. Um, certainly take the time to get down on the ground and, you know, look. 
it's not really comfortable, not something I enjoy doing. But you can you can look for rust. You can look for like greasy, oily areas where you've got an oil leak, that kind of thing. Um, you know, just looking for for things that aren't normal, right? Um, we've already talked about the paint. If it, if you have four wheel drive on the vehicle, uh, that's certainly something that you want to check out, right? You need to take the time to get off the pavement, even in just like a dirt parking lot or something. Engage the four wheel drive. Make sure that it feels right. It sounds right. Not grinding. Not grinding. Um, you know, preferably have somebody actually check outside and make sure that all four wheels are actually engaged while you're doing that. Certainly look at the interior, look for, you know, cracks and like, is your dashboard cracked? Um, cigarette burns. Cigarette burns, you know, tears, rips. Is your seat lopsided? <laughs> um, you know, where you get one side that's lower down than the other. I feel like I'm missing something there with the interior. Hold on. Oh, absolutely. And then all the AC options, heater. right? AC, heater. If you've got like turn signal, uh, not well, check the turn signals. All of the options, really, you need to check. Your turn signals, your, your headlights, headlights, parking brake, um, power options, you know, your windows and doors and uh, that kind of thing as well. Um, put it through all the gears. Make sure you, you know, it's actually something that I didn't think about a whole lot when I was testing. I should have been putting those vehicles in reverse, right? Because it, you do get transmissions where they don't go in reverse, they'll go in all the other gears. And that's a, you start having a transmission issue like that, and it's not a cheap fix. So that's something you do not want to get home and then discover. I can't, I can't back, back out of the driveway. <laughs> right? Um, okay. So that's kind of a little checklist you want to go through. I, I, I do want to say this, and I'm bad about this. I'll be honest. I spend a lot of time doing research, and I know what I want. And I will look at a vehicle online, and I'm going to be like, oh, I want that vehicle. And that's the one. Uh, there's no such thing. There's always other vehicles that are available and you have to be willing to walk away. Make the decision with your head, not with your heart, right? Because there are things that you're going to want. There are going to be things that you may need, um, but there are always other vehicles out there and don't feel like you have to get that vehicle. Be willing to walk away over price if you feel like it's too high. And be willing to walk away if you just feel like it isn't right. One of the trucks that I looked at, just as an example, uh, was about 60 miles away from here. And so I had, like I said, I'd done my research. This was a, it was, it was a Dodge, of course. And it was a 2500 uh, truck that had a, 6.4 liter Hemi in it, which is the biggest Hemi that Dodge makes for a truck, if I'm not mistaken. It's a really nice engine. Um, the truck itself, when they put it out on the ad, looked great, nice pictures, um, 
all of that, we jump in. We actually all, uh, well, there was four, four of us that went, right? I went, Rachel went, because somebody was going to have to drive back the other vehicle if we bought it. And Hudson went along with one of his sisters. And we get over there, and I'm like, oh, man, it looks great. It was a little high on the price, but it was we probably could have made that work. And I start poking around this vehicle. And the first thing I noticed is that even though they had had pictures of all four sides of this vehicle, when they took the pictures, they positioned it just right so that you didn't see some dings. So there were some small little dings on the side. Nothing, you know, earth-shaking, but they were still there. Um, and then we started up. The engine sounded great. Um, we went for a drive. It drove terrific. Had a really awesome sound system. Not that that was a make-or-break thing, but it did. It actually had the best sound system of any of the trucks that we drove. And, like, when you slowed down... The radio volume turned down. Oh, yeah. That's right. You As you sped up and slowed down, the volume of the radio would change. I'd seen that in other vehicles, but I that was actually the only Ram that I drove that had that. Just, you know, it was it was great. Um, we tested the four-wheel drive, all this kind of stuff. Well, I, I think we actually got back to the dealer. I'd already driven it. I'm like, this is it. And we look underneath, and there's a bunch of rust. Like, it was a two-year-old vehicle, a two-year-old truck. It should not have had that much rust. And so that was like, I could just, my head is sitting there saying, something is wrong, right? A two-year-old vehicle, unless it's been like off-roaded like constantly. Is or driven up north. Is not, right, or unless it was driven on like streets that were salt salted during the winter you know, for four or five, six months of the year, you're not going to see that kind of rust. So I knew that something was wrong. And then I'm like, I kind of talked to them about it a little bit. And then I said, well, wh how, wh where are we on the price? And they wouldn't go down. And I, my, my heart's over here going, 6.4 liter Hemi, <laughs> lots of power. True. Um, but it was not the right vehicle. And ultimately I actually just, I said no and we walked away and that was the right decision. But my heart very easily could have made me buy that truck and it may have been a big mistake. So those are our car buying tips. Um, I hope those are very helpful for you. And uh, just remember these vehicles, a, a car is, it's, it's a tool. It's something that you have to have. They are not investments long term. You're not, you know, you're not going to buy one and then five years later it's going to be worth more. The exact opposite is actually what's going to happen. So you have to be wise about it. Don't go into a bunch of debt over it, and uh, and you'll get yourself something that that'll take care of you for the next few years. So why don't you take us home, Hudson? Hey, everybody, don't forget that we have our big announcement later this week. That's all for today on the Be Daring Live podcast. You can visit us on our other platforms such as our website, BeDaringLife.com, or our Facebook page, Be Daring Life. So remember to go out and be daring.